Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Go for it. Have fun. Come on. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. My son asked me the other day, why don't grown-ups run? What's your answer to that? It's like, it didn't make sense. Where is Linus in here? And he's just like, like, why don't grown-ups run? What do you think? Why don't grown-ups run? You, you're the reason we don't know. It hurts. This is more mass to move around. You're short and small. Um, no, it's a, it's a good question because kids, the truth is kids run everywhere, right? It's like, why wait? Sometimes I run if I'm just like, somewhere. Anyway, that's another story. Working on time management, right? Right. Uh, I, it's my, am I doing something here to create some? Run, all right, grown-ups do run. Let's, woo! Yes. Disproven. I'm all, was Linus in here? She's, she has to run. She's got to practice. Either that or they both simultaneously had bathroom-related issues. But very contagious sickness set in uh, immediately. All right. Never a dull moment. (laughs) All right. I am, let's see, am I introing Sarah right now? Okay. I'm looking at Emma. She's helping me out. It's my privilege this morning to introduce someone to you who's very special to me and uh, should be to you. Uh, This is Sarah Gagnon, and I didn't get... I think you're using that mic. Yep, well, any of them. Uh, This is Sarah Gagnon. Uh, I just want to... Yeah, all right. I just want to say something quick uh, about Sarah, and then she's going to share with us. Early on in my walk with Jesus, um, Sarah was instrumental in, um, as a teacher in helping me get immersed and oriented to the Word of God and uh, helping me to, um, to center my heart on who He is as a, as a teacher, as a mentor, and now as a friend, as our kids hang out together um, constantly. Uh, it's, it's just a privilege to be alongside her and to be able to, uh, to recognize her this morning and, and affirm her to you. So I'm excited. I won't take any longer. Okay. Sarah, is, yep. Is this working? It doesn't feel on. Now it is. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of an adventure that I'm about to go on and about a story worth going to jail for. So um, I was reflecting on this, and I realized that 20 years ago this summer, I'll have moved to Madison from Texas. Michael and I both are from Texas. So um, this summer, right after I moved here, um, who here remembers Joe Steinke? Probably a lot of people. Um, he and I, along with, um, I think, Linnea, Spranzi, and a bunch of other people went to China, and... That um, was the first place, I was a missionary kid, it was the first place that I just fell in love with. I had been one of those awkward missionary kids that was homesick the whole time I was on trips. Um, And so when I went to China, it was the most foreign place that I had ever been to. 
And yet, somehow, I just felt so comfortable and so at home. Um, so then the next year, I was working with a missionary organization here in town called Youth of the Mission. Who's familiar with YWAM? Yep. Oh, awesome. There's like a ton of people here. Um, so I had moved up to Madison to start a Bible school uh, as part of YWAM. It was a one-year training program. And I um, kind of came back from China and launched right into that. I worked with that program for just around eight years. And during that um, a bunch of the students from here went out to start new programs. We have a school that started in Nepal, one in Tanzania, one in um, Norway. Um, there's a bunch of other places. So it was just like a really exciting time where all these like young people were heading out and doing things. When I left eight years later, some of my students kind of took over and kept going with, with the program. Um, towards the end of my time, I decided... Um, well, Dave and I were dating then. Dave, raise your hand over there. And we were about to get married, and I figured and I was going to go to school. And I kind of saw my life getting busy, possibly having kids and school and work. And so I decided while I still had time, I wanted to prepare a week of teaching that I could take with me even when I was, like, really busy. So I would, like, prepare. So I, um, I had this teacher. She was a Pauline scholar who specialized in like the book of Acts and she had studied under N.T. Wright at um, Wheaton and was just a phenomenal phenomenal mentor and I went with her and studied for a while and had this experience that even after I think it had been about 10 years of studying the Bible um, it, it really the, the story really affected me in the book of Acts and the way she taught it and so I had decided towards the end of this time to, to dig into the book of Acts and to prepare a teaching. So I left YWAM, and since then I've been teaching the book of Acts here locally in a couple places around the world about two or three times a year, which is about what I could handle with a bunch of young kids and had kind of some ups and downs with how often I did that, especially when my kids were baby babies, but... The first time we took Nora with us, Dave and I went together to Nicaragua. We were such new parents. Nora was only four, and we forgot to bring anything for her to sleep in because we didn't have a crib. So four months. Yeah, she's four months old. And um, the beds are very small, so there wasn't like a – we weren't like comfortable with like just putting her in between us because it had that – kind of like fall down into the middle kind of thing. We're like totally going to smush this baby. So we emptied out our suitcase and put a pillow in, and she slept in the suitcase. Um, but it was like so sweet to go to this place and to teach um, every time. I was just in uh, – uh, I was just back in Nicaragua, and I was telling the students like how thrilled I was to get – into teaching the, this book again, this story. And they were like, but you've been teaching this like so often. And I'm like, I know, but I just get so excited every time. I learn new stuff every time. Every time I read it with the students, the students teach me things. And it is a really, really powerful story. Um, the books in the Bible are kind of like these, these things that you can look into and 
dive in for new meanings, new understandings over and over again. And so I've just been really lucky over the last, um, I guess, 12 years since I, since I left YWAM to been able to continue to teach um, this book, the Book of Acts. I teach on a few other things, but um, that's been kind of the, the main thing that I've focused on, especially with being a mom of, of young kids. So um, about a year and a half ago, I was praying, and I felt like God, this it was God or this, like, voice, this, like, repeating refrain that there were certain things from 20 years ago that um, he had spoken to me that weren't done yet. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, I know how this goes where, like, some adventure will show up and I won't be ready for it. It will interrupt my life. So um, I just started thinking, like, what is that thing? And um, then I started thinking about China. And has anybody, like, gone on a really, like, a 10-hour airplane ride? Every time I go on one, I vow never to do it again. It's so bad, especially coming back from India when you have, like, a bad thing going on. <laughs> so I had vowed never to go back to China, not because I didn't like it, but I was like, I'm too old to go on those long, long airplane rides. And... Um, I think I even looked up, okay, what, how bad is it to pay for first class? Turns out it's bad. It's $15,000, 30 times more than an economy ticket. So no first class. Um, so I just started thinking about China about a year and a half ago and remembering the time that I was there with Joe um, and Linnea. And it just didn't really make sense to me. There's nothing I'm doing related to China these days. Um, so I just kind of put it in the back of my head. And um, then a year ago, or six months ago, a year later, I got an email inviting me to come to China to teach um, the Book of Acts. So um, I was like, oh, no, here we go. Like, And it was so surprising because I w hadn't really talked to a lot of people about this thing. Um, it just came up. So... Um, I actually, in telling this story, it makes sense that I would say yes to this, but I really struggled to say yes. We have um, really young kids, and that airplane ride, <laughs> it's nothing to just, you know, whatever. So, um, so I really wrestled with it, and I was talking to a good friend of mine about this trip, um, and she said, Sarah, if you don't go, it might not even matter. And, like, you know, somebody else could teach it. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's kind of true. Maybe somebody else can do this. And I started reflecting because I had this sense inside of me that I was going to go. It was starting to build. And I started thinking, well, why would I go? Like, why am I going? And I started thinking about the story in the book of Acts is a story of, um, it's a story of a small band of people who um, live in a world where the kind of the dominant world powers have gone nuts, which um, they have no power, and they, like, come together and something really radical happens. And I was like, this is such a relevant story. Um, in China, it's one of the intimidating things about going is that it's incredibly um, illegal to teach Bible. It's in, in illegal to... Um, study it, and I started thinking about these students who were going to come and put their um, 
I guess, their freedom at risk and what it meant that they were, like, willing to do that, this story that they were willing to, like, listen to in order, like, that they wanted so bad that they would go to jail for. And the book of Acts isn't a book of theology. It's just a story. And I thought, how interesting that there's these people that have so little access to good teaching that they are willing to go to jail. So, um, you know, just recently I was teaching on um, Sabbath, and I read three or four books on it and did an intensive study, talked to a priest friend of mine um, who knows all about it, and I thought, that's a lot of access that I have that they don't have. They have none of that if they want to learn about this text. And um, how amazing is it that they have this hunger, they have this desire to learn about the scripture. And so um, my daughter, who has um, been studying Chinese, she, of course, was on the, like, you should definitely go and bring me. Um, and she, she kept saying, we're going, right? We're going. And I was like, where did we happen in here? Um, but we did decide that we would go and also to bring Nora. So as a family, we love to do ministry together, and I love for her to see um, just ministry happening. And I love for her to see, you know, these people so hungry for um, these stories in the Bible um, and for spiritual growth to happen. So we decided to go, and um, there was a lot of challenges that came up with it financially. It's um, more than we could afford. And so we started kind of walking towards that, applying for visas and doing all this stuff. And you guys, it's been so amazing. The, the people that have stepped up to support and help this trip um, have been mostly missionaries that, like, are on the field. It's so amazing. I've been getting, like, checks for, like, $50, $100, and... Um, I sold some random stuff in my studio, like machines that were not being used. And and it's been so exciting to see God's provision for, for this trip. So um, I'm, I'm very thrilled. We're leaving on Thursday night and going to be there for about two weeks. So, um, yeah, I, I'm thinking while we're there that I'm going to teach, but it's really just as much about learning learning from a Chinese church that I'm going to be teaching in what it is like to have that desire, that desire for the word of God, that desire for spiritual growth, that you put your life at risk. And I'm just so excited to like just get that from them, just to experience that with them. So I'd really appreciate um, your prayers. And if you want to know about the trip when I get back in a couple weeks, um, I'd love to, yeah, come up to me and I'll, I'll tell you about it. So, um, yeah, thanks for letting me share. And I'm excited to bring back a little bit of that desire <laughs> that I, that I hear from them. So. All right, join me in praying for Sarah. She heads out. Lord, thank you for our friend, our sister. We pray that you will go before her. Um, we know that you have, that you do. And we pray that, that you will um, draw forth everything that you have put within her. And uh, we pray for the learning. We pray for Nora. Is it just you and Nora? Yeah. Yeah, we pray for Nora, Lord, that you will just make this such a, 
uh, formative experience for her. Lord, uh, yeah, bless these guys as they go out. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Um, all right. The was I supposed to say something else on that? Okay. Is that a thing? You still you still need some cash for this trip? Okay. If God has has tugged your heart, um, you feel connected to this. If God's doing something with that, um, you can give Sarah some money. Okay. And you can talk to her about how to do that, okay? That's all I'll say on that. All right, that's good. Good stuff. All right, we have a few other things. We have, uh, let's see, yesterday was Operation Christmas Child Packing Party. These boxes are over here. We've got 121 boxes packed up, going out to kids around the world, right? And for those 121 boxes, we need to get those sent out, all right? So this is good news. What's this doing? This is, this is, did, did we show a video? Yeah, we, all right, so we saw the video. This is potentially transformational for kids to, to get this, these things that seem so simple to us, like to get a pen for, for some, of the, some of the kids that I've had a chance to hang out with in Haiti, for example, to get a pen that's their own that they can use. It's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. We take stuff for granted. So we want to get this stuff in the mail to these kids around the world. We need about 1500 bucks to do that, okay? So um, there's this box here. This is a $1,500 box uh, that's empty right now. I'm going to pass this around. There's no pressure. I'm just going to pass this around to create this opportunity, okay? Um, any cash that you can, or if you want to put an IOU in there with your name on it, uh, do that. Uh, don't take anything out of the box, please. Uh, um, yeah, if you can do that, do it. Uh, we're going to try to get this cash together to get these boxes sent out. So that will be coming around, hopefully not too distracting um, as we move on. Don't throw it at anybody. What? Yes. Yeah, if you want to write a check, that's easier. You can... Uh, just make it out to Damascus Road Church, stick it in there, and uh, if you forget about it and you want to do it later in the, we call this thing a pillar, in the pillar here, the giving pillar, uh, you can do that and just on the memo line, write Operation Christmas John, all right, or OCC or whatever. Let's see, what else is going on? We've got Packer Townhomes, Emma, I'm going to need your help a little bit with this. All right, so we're... You're, you're, my, you're my resource here. All right, we've got, um, let's see, Christmas gifts. Sign up in the lobby. All right, so in the lobby, there's a, a list. Thank you. There's a list of, uh, thing, of items that you can sign up to bring here. And we are going to be taking those to my neighbors on the north side of Madison at the Packer Townhomes, okay? So we are uh, helping make Christmas special for some kids who don't necessarily have access to material gifts in this way, all right? And we're, is there a, a party? We're doing a party? Or is it just the gifts? All right, just the gifts. We'll stick with that for today. So uh, look that up, set it up. Anything else needs to be said on that? All right, I'm looking at Emma because she's, she's coordinating the service and she's in, uh, yeah. Anything else to say on that? Are you helping me out? 
have I thoroughly botched this? All right. These are my neighbors, and, and Jenny and her husband have been investing in the neighborhood for years and years, and I'm super excited for what has been done and what will be done, okay? And it's a privilege to be a part of that. Dressember is coming up, okay? Dressember is an effort to raise awareness and money to fight trafficking around the world. And uh, Tracy and Shelby, are you on that? You're the fucking, okay, there's a... Huh? Kirsten, uh, and Trey, if you want more info, uh, talk with them. You can sign up, right? Or you can give. You can sign up to, to um, engage with December, which involves wearing a dress in December every day. And men can wear ties. Uh, yeah. So every day in December, that's raising awareness and money for an organization called International Justice Mission, which we've talked about recently which is doing the work of justice and mercy around the world. It's a privilege, all right? So check that out. Look that up. Is there stuff in the lobby on that, or is it just connecting with you guys? There's stuff in the lobby. Check it out. And I feel like there's one other thing that I'm supposed to say. There's no more things. Okay. Oh, my word. No, don't give me anything else. I'm just going to preach, okay? Glory. Give someone else this job next time, please. Oh, my word. All right. I'm just going to put this thing over here so I don't look at it. There's a combined service next week. I want to give you a second to uh, say hey to the person next to you. Hey, yeah, so... I, but here, here, here's the thing. This is Thanksgiving week, right? I want you to tell the person next to you something that you're thankful for, okay? Something you're thankful for. So take, take 60 seconds and do that. Break it up. Break it up. Break it up. Is anybody grateful yet? Anybody thankful yet? All right. Good. This is our last message in our series that we've called I Am. Talking about the names of God that are given to him in scripture. And uh, today we're talking about Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. We're going to be reading from Judges chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to read a, a chunk of scripture here, all right? So hang with me. I'll even try to do some dramatic voicing, you know, to help us really get it. Let's see. Judges chapter 6. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian empowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites 
and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land and as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. Are you picturing this? They're hiding in caves and they've got nothing. They've got nothing. Not even a sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock in their tents and they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. And so that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you. From the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Israelites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abia's right while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay till you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to, to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight and Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord and Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I now have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's freaked out. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace, Jehovah Shalom. To this day it, is still, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abiez rites. All right, we're going to unpack this story. We're going to unpack this, this name, this title given to the Lord. Along the way, might find a way to tie in Undercover Boss, Shrek, 
and waiting for the toilet. Okay? Let's see. If you hear those things come up, just, just like, let's see, what can you do? Just say, say hey, all right? If you hear those things come up in the message, say hey. If you catch all three, you might get a prize. All right? Let's pray. Lord, teach us from your word today. Pray that you will speak to us and give us the grace to obey you. Speak to us about who you are, what that means about who we are, and what it means about what we can do. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. Thank you. Amen. All right, so series on uh, these names of God, and, th- and that's the thing, is that each week what we're attempting to do is learn more about who God is, what that means about who we are, and what it means about then what we do, okay? Who God is, who we are, what we do, got it? And that's, that's, the, that's the flow that, that we're going to hang with this morning, okay? God is peace, that's who God is, right? God speaks peace to us. That's who we are. We are we're at peace. We are in peace. And God calls us to make peace. So that's who God is, who we are, and what we do. All right? So God is peace. Gideon makes this statement about the Lord. He built an altar there to the Lord and called it, the Lord is peace. The Lord is peace. Well, we've got to unpack what we mean by peace, right? There was a while, a while back, and this, is, this has happened more than once, a while back, Central Africa, there was uh, a situation in which uh, United Nations troops were set up there to keep peace, and yet not many miles away, a massacre happened. A ton of civilians massacred by a militia while the UN troops uh, didn't, well, well, they did nothing. And that's, that's frustrating, right? You think about it, like they could have. They've got all the equipment, they've got the technology, they've got the manpower, everything to prevent that. Here's the problem. That nation was technically at peace. Okay? They were post-war. They were, tech, they were considered an, a, non, a non-war uh, status. Therefore, they were at peace, so the troops were not to engage unless fired upon. Okay? You with me? So the, the, technical, the technical status of that nation prevented those troops. So, so we... we at peace. The nation was at peace. But was it really at peace? Was it really at peace? No, see, the, the worldly standard of peace is, is more like a truce, right? Like a truce is not peace. The worldly definition of peace is that things are calm and that there's no conflict on the surface, right? Just keep everything quiet, right? You ever, you ever had that before where you, you, got, you got young kids and, and you just lose it on them? And then everything gets really quiet. Or on the other hand, we had this moment yesterday. We're like, it's really quiet down there. Is that how often is that a good thing? Like, if you were to just put a percentage on it, like twenty percent, one percent, it's almost never a good thing. And see that that's the that's the world's approach to peace is like as long as everything is okay, as long as we have like. A fire, we're fine. That's peace. That is not the biblical definition of peace, okay? It's so much more. It's so much bigger. So when Gideon assigns this this label to the Lord, what is he talking about? 
Well, this, this term shalom is so packed. We, we call it peace, but really it's so much more than that. We just do not have a good English word to attach to this, okay? So when, when the word shalom is, is used in Scripture and, and beyond Scripture, what it's referring to is abundance. Really, the, the picture is completion, okay? Wholeness, completeness, welfare is another word that's used. So when you speak peace to someone, when, when the Lord says peace to you, he was saying all these things. Imagine just, just insert that word, completion to you, Joe. What if we started saying that to each other? May you be completed. I speak completion to you. Like, well, I'm not sure how to respond right now. Have a good day. I, wholeness to you. Wellness to you. Right? It's, it's just, there's so much more to that than just, hey, I hope nobody fights with you today. Hope you and your wife can chill for a bit. Completion. Speak peace to your marriage. Speak wholeness to you. Right? We, but we defer to worldly peace because it's easier. We can get at it through anger, right? We can make people fearful. And it's just like, it's just, it's like a, it's a plastic substitute for the real thing, right? So when we talk about peace from a, from a, from a biblical standpoint, we're talking about where there is void, creating beauty. Okay? Where there's chaos, bringing order. And I'm not just talking about like in a Western, modernistic, linear sense of, like, of order, but where things are, where relationships are aligned. So there, there, really, there are four areas that we look at when we talk about peace in our lives. Okay? So we have relationship to the Lord, first and foremost. So when I'm at peace as a person... My relationship with the Lord is, uh, is intact. My, my as a son is, is firmly in front of me. So it's not just that status thing, but I'm actually living it, right? Like my lifestyle is congruent with my, with my relation, my right relationship with the Lord, okay? So I am made righteous, but my righteousness is, is coming forth, right? Bearing fruit. All right, so my relationship with the Lord is intact. My relationship with myself is intact. My relationship with myself is valuing myself, okay? I'm dressing in a way. I'm, I'm, I'm caring for myself in a way that, that demonstrates the value that the Lord has assigned to me, right? I'm not, I'm not down on myself all the time. I can forgive. I have compassion toward myself, Okay? So my relationship with the Lord is intact. My relationship with myself is intact. My relationship with others is intact. Okay? I've got peace, wholeness in my relationships with others around me. Directly, but also indirectly. Through the kind of purchases that I make. Through the stuff that I flush down my toilet. And I'm thinking about the dude who lives downstream from me, right? Like, it's, it, it, it's, we're talking about our, our whole life and the way that our whole life impacts other people. All right? And then our relationship with creation is intact. A little bit new agey to you. We'll get over it. All right? This is the, the picture that, that Scripture paints is that the Lord wants us to live in. Uh, the word harmony is, is another word that, like, we get a little bit weirded out by. 
Scripture paints a picture of harmony, right, in each of these four spheres. And when the Lord speaks peace to us, that's what this reconciliation happens in each of these areas of our lives. Okay, so that's when we when we talk about peace, that's what we're talking about. So we sang that song this morning, beautiful things. You make beautiful things. You make beautiful things out of us. That's peace at work. Okay, that's completion. You take something ugly and make it beautiful. You take something that's disordered and bring order. You take chaos and bring peace. You talk about chaos. Early on in that chapter, the people, the, the, the people of Israel, they're, they're hiding. All their crops are devoured. All their livestock are gone. I was face-to-face with some people in the Congo a few years ago who were, and, and I was confused, like, why don't you, all right, so you got a pig over here. Why don't you have more pigs? you got this little crop over here. Why don't you have more crops? Like, I don't know. Help, help me understand this. Because that's like the, the, the American question, right? It's like, why not? Why not more, right? Like, why? And that's a very good question. And they said, well, uh, part of the problem is that if you have too much, you become a target. You have. If you have 10 pigs, well, guess who comes down the road, right? The militia comes down the road, and you become a target. And that's a problem, right? So it's not, it's not as, as simple as like, well, why don't you do more? Right, But in all of this chaos, God speaks peace. God comes to a person, speaks peace to a person so he can bring peace to his people. Right? So, he has, so Gideon has this revelation of the Lord, that the Lord is peace. So all these things, the Lord is completion. The Lord is abundance. The, he's these things embodied. He is Wholeness. He is welfare. And the thing is, when you get into his presence, he puts you at peace. When you get into his presence, and that's and the, the, Lord, the Lord speaks to him. What does the Lord promise Gideon? There's one promise he makes here. I will be with you. That's it. He doesn't give him the strategy up front. You know, it's not... It's not, he doesn't give him a a seven-part plan. He doesn't give him a timeline. He doesn't give him any of those things. He just says, you got me. (laughs) It turns out that's enough, right? You got me. You guys, we have him, right? He's given his presence to us. He's given his presence to us. And I'm not just talking about in this room when we talk about, Lord, I'm coming into your presence right now worshiping. What we mean by that is, I'm making myself aware of your presence, and I'm going to respond to you, right? The thing is that if you're a follower of Jesus, he did the work so that his presence could be inside of you. He's with you, and that's kind of a big deal, right? So we read the story, and we've got, we have the, uh, we have the, uh, the, the privilege, really, of, of kind of hindsight. We know who... Uh, we're looking at the story, and we're like, oh, that's the Lord speaking to Gideon. We know who that is, right? It's kind of like watching an episode of Undercover Boss, right? We're like, they're, hey? Or, you know, Undercover Boss goes out in the plumbing van and, you know, meeting with employees or whatever, and you're like, oh, we know who that dude is. We know who that lady is. 
we read the story and we're like, oh, we know. That's, that's Jesus. That's, you know, that's God. It's awesome. Gideon, what, what was Gideon's reason? I, I, love, I love Gideon's honesty, okay? Let me just say this. His, his, his skepticism, his doubt. There's, there are two different kinds of First off, this is totally an aside. Um, there's like closed-fisted skepticism, and then there's open-handed doubt, right? And I just want to just throw this out. This is not in my notes, which is probably not a good thing, but um, doubt creates space for deeper relationship when we have an open hand. When it's not accusation, when it's like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't, I, I don't get this thing. Is there, can you explain this to me? I'm, I'm struggling to understand this. Can you help me? And it's not just, hey, you did this thing. You, 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 right? But Gideon makes a statement. <laughs> he says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Wait, I'm backing up. Let's see. Why has all, all right, so verse, uh, verse 13. Gideon said, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Where are all his wonderful deeds? Can you imagine somebody saying this? You'd be like, dude, shh, keep it down. <laughs> right? How do we react when people express doubt? We're like, hey, just take it easy, okay? Just, or when our kids express doubt about is God really good? Right? He says, where <laughs> wonderful deeds? That our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. So Gideon did not see the whole picture of the Lord with him, did he? And with them. He didn't understand the history of his people. There's a cycle throughout Judges of God being with the people, the people sinning, the people crying out to the Lord, and the people rescuing happens time and time again. And I don't know if any of you can relate with that. Is that the book of your life too? <laughs> Lord's with you. You do something stupid. He, you, you experience the consequences of that stupidity, right? You cry out to the Lord. He rescues you. Uh, that's the cycle in Judges. Uh, Gideon doesn't have the whole picture yet. But we know who that is with him. The Lord speaks to him. So God is peace. The second point I want to talk about is that God speaks peace to us. And how does the Lord address this situation? He wants to give peace to his people, so he speaks peace to a person, right? Verse 23, the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Peace be to you. So again, wholeness, completion, wellness be to you. And it turns out when the Lord speaks something, that's how, that's how creation came into existence, right? It's through communication from the Lord. When the Lord speaks to you, there's permanency to it. It brings order where there's disorder. It, brings, it takes the, the confusion and chaos and turns it into something beautiful, right, that's lasting. And the New Testament says that, 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 that the, the word of the Lord is enduring. Like it's by the word that it's been spoken that the universe still exists, you realize that our whole solar system just hangs on forces 
Like there aren't like these pipelines holding Jupiter in place and all that. Like it's just that chair that you're sitting on exists because of the relationship between atoms, right? It's kind of weird to think about because of the word of the Lord, his creation endures, right? And the same thing when, when the Lord speaks to you, it creates something within you, right? When the Lord speaks peace to you, which he might be right now if you listen. Oh, just did. Did you hear it? Um, when the Lord speaks peace to you, it builds something. It creates something. It gives life where there's none. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't know if you guys are going to have your head around the, the visuals of that. When you thresh wheat, you're throwing it up in the air so that the wind can separate the wheat and the chaff. And you need space for that. So usually it's a, it's a large space, the threshing floor. And as it goes up into the air, it's separated. Then you've got the, the wheat berries. You can grind that. You can use it. You can eat it. And separate it from the stuff that you don't need, right? It doesn't make much sense to do that in a small space underground, <laughs> right? But Gideon is, is in this space in the ground. So imagine a space that's like six feet underground, and that's where uh, grapes get pressed, right? And he's down there hiding, trying to, trying to uh, thresh the wheat. You guys, how many of you are threshing wheat in a wine press today? Not literally, right? How many of you are threshing wheat in a wine press? Really? Where the thing, because of fear, you're doing something and hiding, okay? You're not walking in God's abundance. You're not doing what you should be doing out in the open because you've been programmed to hide and to keep that gift that you have. Just, just keep it in the wine press, okay? Just keep it in the wine press. That thing that you steward, that thing that's deep in your heart, that passion that you have, that ability that you have, that gift that you have to give, it's in the wine press. And it needs to come out into the air, right? But you've been programmed to kind of keep, hey, you know what? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that, don't you know that you're just a reamer? Don't you know that you're just, I'm not dogging on you? Don't you know that you're a, a, a Gilmore? Don't you know who you are? Why don't you just come back down here in the wine press, right? You ever have somebody tell you that? Why don't you just <laughs> not? If somebody calls you to the wine press, that's probably a pretty cool situation, and you want to go and check it out in real life, like you're in Israel or something. But figuratively speaking, the people and the voices around you and the accuser. The enemy himself speaking to you, hey, come back down into the wine press. Keep quiet. Now, you can't do that thing. No. No, 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 no. You can't have peace and wholeness in your life. Just keep it down, right? And that's what, so Gideon rightfully is terrified, right? Because if he does it out in the open, what's going to happen? The enemy's going to swoop down and take all his wheat and probably beat him up in the process, right? So he's doing it down in the wine press. 
God speaks peace to a person. And what's the, what's the first thing he does to him? What's the first thing he says to him? He speaks to his identity. God's going to bring peace to his people. He's going to set these relationships right so that there can be wholeness and completion. And he starts by speaking identity to a dude. <laughs> what does he say to him? So, again, keep this visual in mind. Guys threshing wheat in the wine press. It's like, I don't know. I was thinking, like, what's something that we do that's ridiculous to do in that space? Oh, like dancing in an elevator or, I don't know, like something in a confined space that, and he's, he's down in the wine press, he's doing that, and the angel of the Lord is like, hey, uh, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Like, there's nothing more antithetical to the situation. There's nothing more contrary that can be spoken. He speaks identity to him, and he says, O mighty man of valor. He speaks to his identity. So this is where peace in our lives starts, is encountering God and him speaking to us who we really are, right? Now, as God brings... You guys, if, you just, if we just pay attention to our lives, we'll be amazed at um, the way that the Lord is continually drawing us to, to wholeness, right? Through the people in our lives. But a lot of times we don't realize it because we don't realize that the good things in our lives actually come from Him. That sale that I just finished or that lunch that I just ate or these clothes that I'm wearing, whatever, that, that medication that helped me get better, we don't stop and realize, oh, the Lord is bringing wholeness to my life, right? We're not, we're like, it's like my kids um, will be listening to music. My kids will be like, oh, this is from Shrek. This is from, and I'm like, no, this is from Leonard Cohen. He is not from Shrek, okay? Shrek used this song, okay? Uh, this, James, no, this is from James Brown. This is from Michael Jackson, not from Pixar, right? You see, and like, they, like I realized this is a real problem. Like they don't, like my, my six-year-old just thinks that great music was created by like cartoon characters. Like, no, these are real people. These are real people that, like, shaped our culture. It's really important. This is not from Shrek, right? But we're like that, right? We're like, oh, that healing, that was from the pharmacy. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That clothes, that sale that I got, that was because of that lead and that referral. Um, yeah, I got to hit that guy back up and, and thank him. No, it wasn't. That bread was from the supermarket. No, it wasn't. That heat came from MG&E. No, it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Why do I keep paying them money? <laughs> right? No, we do that. C.S. Lewis painted this picture. He said that what, uh, like, the task before us is to run on rays to the sun. That's kind of a poetic way to say it. To not just feel the warmth, but be, oh, there's a, there's a source behind this. That's the thing. We start off service with gratitude. As you guys say something you're grateful for, gratitude requires a source. 
That's the problem with debt, honestly. That's a, a special challenge when it comes to welfare. It's a challenge to us when we get separated from, those, that might seem random, I'm throwing those things out there. When I make a purchase that's, um, that's in debt, it's harder for me to connect that as provision from the Lord, right? You with me? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm throwing welfare out there and I might, should not have because that creates confusion. I'm not saying I'm anti whatever. I don't even want to go there. I'm not opposed to any of that. Um, but it's, it becomes through, through the way that we live our lives, the way that we make purchases, the things that we do, it becomes harder and harder for us sometimes to go back to the source. Gratitude requires a person. Gratitude requires a source. And when we can't identify the source of our wholeness, of our welfare, of our, of our completion, we cannot uh, walk in gratitude. So, God speaks to Gideon. God speaks to Gideon. He speaks to him identity, and he speaks to him presence. Something going on here. God promises his presence. God promises his presence. And his presence changes everything. His presence changes everything. Now, here's the thing, is that being at peace, being in peace, requires peace to be made. And that's where it gets a little bit hairy, okay? Being at peace requires peace to be made. And that can get messy. My own life, about a year ago, started to kind of come unravel. Just personally, be personal for a minute. I worked in ministry for 15 plus years, got an amazing family, amazing wife, and surrounded by amazing coworkers, but I started to kind of crack. And I found myself weeping one day because of a situation in front of me that, and just like disproportionately re- reacting to the situation. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why this is affecting me like this. And what the Lord began to do was to speak peace to me. And that did not mean like, oh, I'm just going to lay down and go to sleep. Everything's better now. No, that meant that it was time to get aggressive. It was time for some, like, violence to happen in me, like breaking off old things. You see, I went through a tough time when I was a kid. Lots of, lots of chaos, some trauma, some abuse. And... I had sort of like done some mental gymnastics with that stuff and kind of stashed it away and just thought, I've moved on from that. Look, I'm in a great place, like great people. The Lord is good. The Lord was like, no, we're going to bring peace. We're going to make peace. And so my gig, my part was to cooperate with him, right, and allow peace to be made. It involved a lot of tears, a lot of counseling, a lot of prayer, a lot of laughter, a lot of celebration, 
That's something I discovered recently is the better I get at weeping, the better I get at laughing. Yeah? It's the same capacity in my heart. The better I get at weeping, the better I get at celebrating. Right? Getting real. Peace requires peace to be made. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's an aggressive word. Let it take dominion in your hearts. That means that there's something to rule over and there might be things that's not in line with this ruling, right? With his peace. So here's the thing. God calls us to make peace. He speaks, God is peace. He speaks peace to us. He gives us peace. He puts us at peace and he calls us to make peace. So fast forwarding through the story of Gideon, <laughs> Gideon, this, this, this dude who's threshing wheat in the wine press gets spoken over him that he's a mighty man of valor, that he's a warrior. And what does he do from there? I'll just, I'll just tell this bit of the story. That night, he goes and breaks down the idols that are on their property. And, uh, and the people from the town all come up and they want to kill him. Everybody's mad because he broke down their idols. Um, these places to worship other gods, not the God of Israel, not our God. So he does that first. And then he goes on to lead God's army to defeat their enemy, right? So kind of a big, a big shift. But it started, that, that peacemaking process started within him. God speaking identity to him, him coming to agreement. Yes, Lord, what you say is true. Your word is enduring, even when it's spoken over me. Gideon aligns himself with the truth, even with doubt along the way. And then he changes their worship. Okay, so it starts to pervade his whole life, and then he defeats the enemy. And this is how God's peacemaking process works. It starts inside and goes outside, okay? It goes out, inside out, inside out. It starts within and works its way out. When we try to make peace externally without it happening internally first, it doesn't last. That's called a truce. And truces don't last, Right? There's transformation that happens inside of us, all right? So it goes from the inside out. God promises his presence to Gideon for his purpose. God promises his presence for his purpose. I am with you so that we will make peace. You guys, God promises his presence to you for his purpose. What we're getting to is how is God calling you to make peace? The problem is that peacemaking, like I said, is aggressive. It can be violent, literally. Think D-Day. Peacemaking can be violent internally. God promises his presence for his purpose. But what is his purpose? Where are we going? Because the way that we see the world, the way that we, the, the, the vision that we can see dictates the choices we make today, Right? The vision that we can see for the future dictates the choices that we make today. So where is all of this going? This thing with us as the church and walking with God. Where is all this going? What does the, what does the future hold? It reminds me the other day I was waiting for the bathroom. And uh, 
so I'm waiting for the bathroom the other day. I was in, I was in the, this public place, and I go back to this hallway to the bathroom, and there's a guy waiting. So what do you do when somebody else is waiting and there's one bathroom? You identify. It's a single, right? Okay, good. All right, I'm just going to be right here. I'm standing there reading the flyers on the wall, waiting. It's like an a awkwardly long time. Like, should I just go somewhere else? I, I don't know. I, uh, so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, the guy in front of me checks the door. He's like, it was open this whole time. And he goes in. You guys, how often are we, how, how often are we doing that? We're waiting for an empty bathroom. We're letting, we're letting somebody else's assumptions about the world form our vision. We're letting somebody else's assumptions, somebody's like, oh, the market is really like this and like this. Okay, well, you go cry in your office, and I'm going to get after it, right? You with me? Uh, oh, the, is cable news painting your vision for the world? That's a real question. I'm not saying don't watch the news, don't listen to the news. Are other people telling you what's true and what the future holds? Are they speaking peace? Probably not. What kind of bathroom are you waiting for, my friends? (laughs) Guess what? It's empty. You know what it means? That means it's there for the taking. God speaks abundance, completion, wholeness. This is the kind of people that God's calling us to be people who create abundance, people who create fullness, people who create welfare in other people's lives. You know what that looks like? You see a single mom who's struggling. She's not at peace because she's driving a car that's falling apart. You know what you do? You make peace, right? You bring completion to that part of chaos in her life. How do you do that? You get together 20 friends. You say, hey, let's buy this lady a car. That's peacemaking, okay? I'm not just talking about putting on some easy jazz and sitting back. That's not peace. Peace is bringing completion within us and around us, okay? It goes from the inside out, right? In our vision of the future, what the world holds, what God is doing in the world will dictate the choices that we make today. If the world is just going to hell, then what the hell does it matter? Right? But you know what? It's not because God is making everything new. So do you believe that? Do we believe that? Psalm 34, 14 says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I was studying all these passages from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the thing around peace is that there's always this active verb. Seek peace. Make peace. Pursue peace. Give peace. It's messy. It's violent. I was at a, get really real, I was at a show the other day, not too long ago, uh, with some people who probably won't ever go to a show with me the other day because I almost got in a fight. <laughs> yeah. We're at Breeze Field on East Washington. This dude is groping this lady continually. Some people walk up and they're like, hey, hey, can, can you stop that? Can you stop that? Like four people walk up. Can you stop that? And I'm just like, oh. 
It's making me crazy. So you know what I did? True confessions. I got in the dude's face and was ready to throw down. And I was like, hey, take your hands off this lady. What are you doing? They're like, oh, that's his wife. I said, I don't care. You better go home right now or straighten up. What's it going to be? And I'm in his face with my chest up against his shoulder. I'm like, let's do this, bro. Are you a man or are you not? Right? Now, I'm not, like, this is this kind of stuff, you guys, if we really believe this vision, right, we will step up and make peace in the world. Speak up, step up, bring completion where there's chaos, okay? You with me? It's like waiting for a bathroom that's empty. We're waiting around, right? We're waiting around. When God's like, you guys, do it. This is who I am. I'm with you. I've equipped you. Go and do it. Because what's your vision for the world? What's your vision for the future? Where are you going this year? Where are you going in 2018? Where are you going to be in 2023? Where are we going to be as a church? Get out of the wine press. Get out of the wine press. You've got gifts in you that the world needs. It's not about you, okay? It's not about your pride. You've got something to give. Give it, whether it's here, whatever that looks like. It's not about you. It's about you stewarding what God has given, all right? Trust his presence with you. He gives his presence for his purpose 